0: Hey friends welcome back to flourishing in faith if you're on your daily walk drive to work or school or simply just making dinner i pray these conversations bring glory to god and ultimately draw you closer to him i decree that your relationship with jesus will flourish and faithful fruit will be the evidence of that Alrighty, righty friends thank you for joining me for podcast miss day 14 we are over halfway there to the end of podcast miss which will be at the end of luke which is the end of Christmas is our last day of podcastmas is the Christmas day we have 20 24 chapters in Luke and we have a little bit till Christmas I'm not sure the countdown till Christmas but if you know the countdown till Christmas comment down below but I got a little bit till Christmas and I'm so excited to be able to do this podcastmas and just blessed to be able to do this and Luke 14 was just so good today. It was talking about a lot of things that a lot of red letters that Jesus addressed to mostly the Pharisees in this chapter. Um, and then it starts off. We're starting on Luke 14. If you want to go read by yourself, go read Luke 14. And if you're interested in following along, go get your Bibles out. We're in Luke 14. In the beginning of Luke 14 and Jesus is invited to eat bread on the sabbath to eat with the pharisees and they with the pharisees intention was to get Jesus caught in some type of so-called sin that they have seen on the sabbath it's they had ill intent towards Bringing Jesus into their homes, bringing Jesus into into a community, inviting him to the table—they had some ill intention with that. Like the outward courtesy shown was of ill intent, and then it was not for Jesus's gain or to encourage him in any way. It was to criticize him or find a way to criticize him, or find any any way that they could say that he what he was doing was wrong or that he was a false prophet. So that was the intention. And it says in the beginning of Luke that that's what their intentions was. And it says in verse one that they watched him closely. They watched him closely. There's going to be people in our lives as we live life like Jesus that watch us closely and that nitpick everything we say and do and all these things. And that's going to happen. But we like Jesus, have to be overcome by that, and still love them anyways, and still show them grace and mercy, just like Jesus does. Alrighty, in verse 7 through 11, Jesus first addresses, because he's still at this, he's still at this place, um, to those who are at this, like, dinner table, so he was first addressing the ones who were invited, like he was, so he's addressing the ones who are invited in verse 7, it says. And then in verse 8 through through eleven, he talks about, he makes a parable. Makes a parable. Says a parable. <laughs> and basically in this parable, it's talking about those who are invited, that they give a place to the man and said the beginning with shame take the lowest place. So when you're invited. And you go and sit in the place that is for the highest person, for the one that's like that, that the, the party's all about. And you go sit in that place, and then the host of the party comes to you and says that you have to go somewhere else because that's a VIP seating. That will put on guilt and shame on you for thinking of yourself highly than you ought. And it says, but when you are invited, this is verse 10, go and sit down to the lowest place so that he who invited you comes, to, comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and who humbles himself will be exalted. And this is a personal thing. This is how we view ourselves, say whatever table we're coming to how do we view ourselves? Do we view ourselves higher than others? Do we view ourselves as um, better than others or in some senses? Uh, I think often whenever we come to the faith, it's sometimes easy to view yourself in a higher standard because you follow a higher standard. Just by being a Christian and by following Christ, you, you obviously follow a higher standard. And so it's easy to be Like, very prideful in that. It's easy to come into the prideful part of that and think of yourself higher than you ought. And so, God's just trying to humble us and saying, No, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. So, you're going to be humbled. It says we will be. So, you're going to be humbled if you exalt yourself. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. And it's really about humbling ourselves ourselves how we view ourselves and it's more talking about the prideful haughtiness of people um, not necessarily if you view yourself in a negative way and if we're talking about the negative way if you view yourself in the negative way that could also be detrimental to you as well so that's Jesus talking to the those who were invited like him and then that made me so, my commentary said in that time, in, for that little section, it says, God honors those who recognize their own lowliness and unworthiness and who rely solely on his mercy. And that reminded me of the poor, those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom, and, kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew five thirty-three, And that has really been prevalent in Luke talking about those who, Poor in spirit, the people that understand their spiritual bankruptcy. I've said this many times in our pot in the podcast series that when people understand their spiritual bankruptcy, I mean the just understand who they are in comparison to Christ, and it's not like a condemning sense of like, oh, I'm I'm a sinner, and I that's not that's not what we're saying. We all fall short of the glory of God, but being a sinner does not. That's not your identity. Your identity is a child of God. But as a child of God, we obviously recognize our lowliness and unworthiness of the gospel and of what Jesus did on the cross for us, and that puts a lot of things in perspective, and it helps us to be humble. It helps us to want to follow God every day, want to strive to be His disciple every day, and that that poor in spirit. That is what God exalts. It's not the ones that are haughty in their spirit, not the ones that are prideful in their spirit. It's the ones who are poor in their spirit that understand their spiritual bankruptcy compared to Christ, and they come to God as a child just yearning to understand and to hear from him. And that's what God desires for his children, that he desires for us to not come into him perfect, not come to him all put together or have everything right or perfect or situated. No, he wants you to come to you as a child, as someone that is new, as someone that is maybe even broken in a certain part of your life. Like he wants all of you. He wants the broken parts of you. He wants the good parts of you, the sad parts of you, the bad parts of you. He wants all of that. And that comes with that being poor in spirit. It just helps me to understand how unworthy I am, but how worthy he is compared to me. And it it just provides some perspective that I think that is very needed. Then in verse 12 through 14, Jesus addresses those who invited him. So the Pharisees that invited him. And he talks about how... When you give a dinner, this is verse 12, or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. Invite the poor, the main, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. And for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So blessed because they cannot repay you really stuck out to me. And it really... Jesus was really confronting the Pharisees' motives behind who they invited and what who they invited to what. Because they... Jesus was basically saying in this, this parable, or just in general, Jesus was basically saying that they only invite people that they know they can get something out of. Mm. They know they can get something in return. Instead of inviting somebody that may... Be poor, that may be main, lame, or blind, and that cannot repay you, but that is where you'll be blessed, because they cannot repay you. I think it's a wonderful thing, it's a humbling thing, when you come into a situation and you are asked by God to bless somebody, and with nothing in return, and honestly, not even any reg, 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 reg- I can't honestly speak recognition recognition for it that you don't even get the praise you don't even get the honor you have to do it anonymously I've had that plenty of times that God will tell me most of them most often this is what God does most often when I give and when I have given maybe a large sum of money maybe a small sum of money to a person to a just a company to the church to whatever that is it's been interesting how God has always told me to never say it was from me. Never say it was from me. And because he wanted it to be from him, from God, and that I was just a vessel, that it wasn't about me, that God was just going to use me to bless these people. And I thought that was, it just confronts our motive behind things. Because, I mean, we want the praise for, oh my gosh, you gave I'm so happy that you gave, and I'm so ha- thankful. F- I'm thankful for you, but no, God deserves all the glory and all the honor for everything that we do because we do everything for the glory of God. And it's not doing anything for the glory of God if we do it for selfish motives. So I think Jesus was really calling out their motives in this time and motives of of why they were inviting people to that table. And I thought that was really really interesting and maybe even look at my own motives in certain situations. Alrighty, and now in verse 15 through 24, they had, Jesus talks about the parable of the great supper. So, there's a supper going on, and a certain man had a great supper and invited many. So, this man invited all these people, these these important people, and all his friends and everything, and he said, come for all things are not ready, but in everybody in one accord made excuses. <laughs> Isn't it often we make excuses, but they made excuses, and everybody made an excuse. One put, said that they have, they bought a piece, piece of ground, and they had to go see it. One said they have to take care of their wife, and one says they have to take care of their oxen, and the master became angry and told him to go into the streets and bring the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and that the house will be filled. And then none of those men in the beginning were invited to taste my supper. That's what it says in verse 24. So the people in the beginning that made excuses for not coming, eventually, when all, when it was all said and done, they weren't invited to taste the supper. My commentary actually um, compared this to Israel. Those who were invited is Israel, and Israel accepted God's invitation into the kingdom, given through the prophets, because obviously they were God's their God their God's chosen people. But the arrival of Jesus signals the arrival of the kingdom. But in this rejection that they had of Him, the nation is declining God's offer of grace for them. However, God's purpose will not be thwarted. So, he will send his gracious invitation to the Gentiles. Praise God. (laughs) So, this gracious invitation is that it was sent to the lame, the maimed, and the blind was sent to the Gentiles because the people, the people of Israel, not all of them, but some of the people that were in Israel and that they were God's chosen people, they had rejected Christ in turn rejecting the son of God. Alrighty, then in verse twenty-five through the end, verse thirty-five, Jesus is talking about reason why we have to forsake all the follow Christ, basically. Jesus is wanting us to be fully devoted to him. To not be double minded. I have actually I read double minded that verse in, I have kind of first heard it in the Bible in James 1. I'm pretty sure it's in James 1. Yes, it is in James 1. My Bible actually had a definition for it. And in the word double-minded, it means to have double allegiance. So one thing does not have your allegiance, it's multiple things. And God is a jealous God. He desires for us to have one allegiance and that one allegiance to be with Him. And that should be our desire as well. If we are a disciple, we are a disciple of Christ. We're not a disciple of anything else. We are a disciple of Christ. And it says that in verse 26, if anyone comes to me, Jesus is talking, and he says, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, in his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. And I thought that, at first, I thought hate was a very strong word, you know, compared, you know, hating your father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. I thought that was kind of a strong word. My Bible kind of explained it, and it says, to hate one's family is therefore not a command or statement of fact, but a way of expressing the importance of allegiance to him. So, it kind of just saying hate in this context is really just exaggerating in a way but not exaggerating but it's to express it's a better word to express the the importance and the urgency of having a relationship with jesus and that being your allegiance your only allegiance and I thought that is so uncommon nowadays, because our allegiance is so skewed, because we don't even know what to believe, we don't know who to believe in, and I feel like a lot of people in our age group, especially in GNC, are really questioning their faith, they don't know who to believe in, they don't know what to believe, and I just, I just think we have to kind of be, especially the ones that do know what they believe, we have to be firm in what we believe, and not double-minded in what we believe, but firm, and who have one firm allegiance with Jesus. I wrote yeah. down some things talking about this part. It says, disciples of Jesus must sub- subordinate all earthly relationships to loyalty to Christ, and bearing his cross. In Start verse 27, it says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple and bearing his cross means basically to putting to death all self-centeredness and be willing to endure suffering and it says m- martyrdom which is basically martyr it's basically enduring suffering because Self. we are not selfish we're putting it all away to be able to endure this suffering with a selfless mindset discipleship means the total renunciation of all selfish interests for the sake of jesus christ and that's what discipleship is it is total i say total renunciation of all selfish interests for the sake of jesus i'm so thankful that jesus is calling out the selfishness of people because it is we our world is so selfish i was talking to my boyfriend tonight about that our world is so selfish and we need Jesus. Well, we're too prideful to think that we need a Savior, but I know that I need a Savior, y'all. I need Him. Alrighty, friends, I hope you have an amazing day, and I will see y'all tomorrow Podcast Podcastmas Day 15, and yeah, I hope you have a blessed day, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye, friends.